0: Amen. Amen. Those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you and we thank you for joining us on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, what an incredible uh, opportunity we have to reach so many through the power of technology. And I'm thankful for that today as well. We're going to continue our series this morning on revival. Revival is a fire of the heart. And I pray that as we dove into this last week and we talked about how God wants to change us and send another revival, do we really know what we're asking for? And as we ask God to bring revival, are we ready for it? We know it's needed. We know that it's, it's a powerful thing that can change our world. But do we realize what we're asking for? And all that goes into that. And so this week, I want to continue that. I want to ask you, if you would, if you brought your Bibles, to turn with me in the book of John. John's gospel is where we're going to be in a little bit. John chapter 14, and uh, we, will, we will read that together in just a moment. But uh, I want to ask you some questions this morning again as we get started, because I believe if we are going to experience another great revival that I believe that God can send us, we need to realize that there's an element of trust that must be attended to if God is going to send another revival. Let me give you some, some perspective things to think about as we get started today. How many of you would say that you are glass half full, people? Would you just raise your hand? Glass half full. Good. So we have some eternal optimists. Thank you for that. How many of you are, would say you are glass half empty, folks? <laughs> some spouses are holding the uh, people's hands up. Yeah. And how many of you just don't want to tell me? Yeah, how many of you are awake? And let's uh, go there for a minute. Yeah, so glass half full, glass half empty. That has a lot to do with our perspective, doesn't it? How we see things, how our experiences have shaped who we are. Now, some of you, um, how many of you wear glasses? Would you just raise your hand, glasses or contacts? You need help with your perspective physically, amen? Amen, yeah, or you wouldn't wear them, yeah. Uh, I wear glasses for reading or if i 've been at the screen too long, I have to wear glasses i 'll get a headache i 've got just minor some minor vision issues that 's why you 've never seen me wear glasses on platform i uh, I really don 't need to see you clearly i guess right so i'm just i 'm just kidding but when we go to get our eye exam at the eye doctor, they are trying to find out our perspective from a physical sense right and you get chart that's so far away from you, or if you're sitting in the chair, depending on which doctor you go to, and they ask you to cover your left eye and then cover your right eye, correct? And so they do that. Why do they do that? They want to see what your perspective is with the two different vantage points. And then God has created us in such an incredible way that he puts those two eyeballs together and we focus and we're able to see our perspective, hopefully, more clearly. And thank you for those that, whoever, I can't remember, I'm on putting myself on the spot, who invented the eyeglass, but uh, thank you for that. We can see more clearly today. But the reality of all of this today is that we have different influences on our life that help us to see things clearly. And sometimes I would argue, see things not so clearly. In other words, the question I want us to continue to ponder today is What is what influences your perspective? What influences your perspective? We're going to continue talking about revival. Revival is a fire of the heart. But we need to determine which direction for revival to happen, which direction of trust, which direction is trust really going? And I'm going to dive into that a little bit more today as well. I'm going to repeat this question over and over and over, and it's not because I don't think you're going to get it, but I want us to be reminded of this as we go out from this place today. What influences your perspective? What experiences have you had? What things have you been taught? What is influencing you right now that is giving you your perspective on life? Here's some other questions that are influences affect our perspective? How do you get to heaven? Some people have many different answers for that. Who do we trust when times get difficult? Some of us don't trust anybody. What is our first response when things don't go our way? Does the Bible really have any clear impact on our life for a daily basis? What do you do for fun? What are you going to do this afternoon for enjoyment or for rest? What influences your perspective on these questions? Another one that we might even ask is, is church supposed to be fun? Nobody thinks so. Okay. So (laughs) all of these questions and more, they're going to shape the way we feel about life. They're going to shape what we think about God. They're going to shape the things we think about our church and so much more. What I believe God is showing us is that there are many things that influence our perspective. a world around us, different things that we listen to, different things that we watch, it's all influencing what we think. But the question for us here today is, are we going to allow God to also have an influence on our perspective? I pray that we will. Let's look to God's word this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 14, And let's see if we can get a proper perspective on life and on following him, on on trusting God and on God trusting us. Would you follow along as I read from God's word this morning? John 14, beginning with verse number one. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home, if this were not so, what I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. "'No one can come to the Father except through me. "'If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. "'From now on, you do know him and have seen him. "'Philip said, "'Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied.' "'Jesus replied, "'Have I been with you all this time, Philip, "'and yet you still don't know who I am? "'Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father.' So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Verse 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Will you join me in prayer this morning? God, we are asking in the name of Jesus for you to send revival on this place. God, our world needs a revival. Our country needs a revival. Our county, our city. But God, it starts right here today. God, our church needs revival. We are asking You. We are pleading with You. We are coming to You reverently with respect and saying, God, our Father, will You please send a revival? And God, I pray today that You would help us to trust You with that answer we put our hope we put our trust in you and god i pray today that as we ask you for revival i pray god you can trust us to respond in obedience god may we hear from your word today i pray in jesus name and all of god's people said amen and amen the reality of this passage of scripture is very simple There is only one way. There's only one way, like it or not. It's God's word, it's not mine. There's only one way. But again, I go back to this idea of what is influencing our perspective. The first thing I believe that God wants to show us today is that we need to realize that our trust level influences our perspective. Our trust influences our perspective. Let's look back at verse number one. It says, don't be troubled. Trust in God. Now trust in me. So the question is very simple today. Do you trust God? Do you trust him with your life? And, and for, for many of us that are here on a Sunday morning, I think that answer would seem like, well, pastor, duh, I'm here. I want you to really think about this for a minute. Do you trust God with your life. Because if you'll remember, one of the things that I've tried to help us see throughout, our, throughout my time here as your pastor is that it's one thing to have faith in something. And when we have faith, a lot of us stop with faith as just believing in something that we can't see. And we stop right there. The Bible says that even the demons believe, and yet they shudder. So there's got to be more than, than, to faith than just believing. And that's why I believe it's important for us to realize that part of our faith is determined by how much we actually trust in God. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, how we live our life. Are we doing everything according to, to what I want and to my standard and what I can control? Or am I opening myself up to allow God to work in my life? Do I really trust Him? When he says he will never leave me or forsake me, do I really trust him? When I say that God, we believe in your power to heal miraculously right now, do I really believe that? Do I really put my trust and my hope in that? You know, I was I was studying this week, and I was I was going through a bunch of different things for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, we had we had Larry Harshman's funeral this week, and and board meeting, and a lot of going on in this week, and so. I was all over God's Word this week for many different reasons. And one of the things that I was reading in my own devotional time was in this very Gospel. So we're in John 14, and we're towards the end where Jesus is again trying to get His disciples to see, trust in Me. I'm God in the flesh right in front of you. Trust in Me. But I was reading in John chapter 2. So if you go clear back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and if you flip over there, I want you to see this. I want you to know that I'm not just telling you some Pastor fib, okay? It's in God's Word. Go read it for yourself. Amen? Don't take what I say for for granted. Go find out for yourself. John chapter 2, verse 11. Jesus is in in this wedding ceremony, and He's doing the first miracle that we see Him him perform as as God in the flesh. And He's at the wedding in Cana. And if you're if you're familiar with the story, you kind of know how it goes. Mary is there, and at, at this time, scholars tell us that Joseph has is, is probably passed away. And so Mary and Jesus have been spending a lot of time together in these last few years. And they go to this wedding, and Jesus has not entered the scene as Jesus the Messiah as people know it yet. He hasn't performed any miracles yet, but he's there as a guest in this wedding, and they run out of wine. They run out of wine. And so Mary, there must have been a close friend to the family. And Mary says, Jesus, you need to do something. Because Mary knows who Jesus is. And Mary says to Jesus, you need to do something. And Jesus tells his his mother, (laughs) the the older translations say, woman, it's not my time yet. I still tell my wife that's a term of endearment. You know, woman, yeah, not always well, yeah. But Jesus says to Mary, woman, my time has not yet come. And he, he thinks that should be enough. And, and so Mary goes to the servants that are there that are helping with the ceremony or the, the reception. And she says to them, and I believe this isn't in the Bible, but I believe it was kind of within earshot so Jesus could hear. Her, hey, you servants, do exactly what he is going to tell you to do. And then she walks off. And I can just imagine Jesus is like, I just told her my time's not come yet. And yet he's put on the spot, and Jesus performs a miracle. They take these, these washed basins, and they, they're filled with water. And, and Jesus says, take them, fill them with water, and then take and dip a cup in that basin and take it to the person in charge. And so everything happens just as Jesus says it should be done, and they do it. And the, the person in charge tastes from this cup, and it's the best wine that the party has seen. And they're floored by it. And the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 11, it says, This miraculous sign at Canaan and Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed His glory. Get this. And His disciples believed in Him. Okay? Let me, let me unpack this for you just a little bit because I had to unpack this for myself. It says, And His disciples believed in Him. Guess what it does not say? And his disciples trusted him with their... It doesn't say that. It says, and the disciples believed in him. Well, if you study this, these disciples were disciples that John the Baptist has just instructed them, this is the guy you want to follow. This is the guy who you need to pay attention. Believe me when I tell you, you need to go start following him. And they go and they begin to do this and they see this first sign and the Bible tells us, and his disciples, his followers, believed in him. I wrote in my Bible. Some of you, I don't know if you believe in doing that or not. I write in my Bible because I, I ask God questions when I'm reading His word. And I just wrote next to that sentence, the word trust, with a question mark. The word trust. Did they really trust him at this point? Did they really trust him? And we can study the disciples' life and their their whole time of ministry with Jesus and realize that even up till Jesus' resurrection, the Bible tells us that some of his disciples didn't quite believe he was who he said he was. Saved. Wow. And so here we are in 2020, and your pastor is getting up to declare God's word, and I'm telling you, I'm declaring to you today that it's not enough for you just to believe in God. It's not enough for you just to believe the stories that we read in this ancient book. God wants us to trust Him. To trust Him with our life. Jesus is telling us in in our text, there is only one way. There is only one way. You see, they're struggling to change their perspective based on what they've grown up with, what they've seen, what they've heard from from the religious leaders in that community, and we get into chapter 14 of of John's Gospel, and Jesus is trying to reform their thinking. And he's telling them, I need you to trust me. Jesus is trying to influence their perspective on heaven, on God, and on their purpose here on earth. But it's not enough for them just to believe. They've got to trust him. A few years ago, I was uh, in the position of being the youth pastor in this great little church in this little community in Pittsfield, Illinois. You ever heard of it? Yeah. Some of you teens, Allison, you might remember this. Uh, uh, we we were on a Wednesday night service. We were getting ready for our service and doing our stuff over there, and I was, I was teaching and preaching on, on trust, and so we played a game about trust. And so what we did is we, we, we cluttered up the upstairs where we met. We, we put a little maze in there and we, we turned out the lights and we had these the teams separated in teams. You remember any of this? Is it ringing a bell? So we had them down in the gym and we put them in teams and then we blindfolded one person. And we led them through this maze and they had to trust the voice of their teammates. Thankfully, nobody fell down the stairs and got hurt. Thankfully, nobody tripped and, and got hurt. But we had this game of trust. And, and we had to walk through this maze. And there's so many different things that are trying to influence the, the people as they walk through. Other teams are yelling at them and, and telling them to go the opposite way. And they're, they're doing things to distract them. And yet they have one voice, their teammate, who's trying to tell them, Nope, take one step right, now two steps forward. And they're trying to hear that voice in and amongst all of the chaos that's going on. They had to trust that their teammate was for them. The influence that was impacting their perspective was the still, small voice. What influences your perspectives today? Who do you trust with certain things in your life? What about this? What what influences your perspective when... You're about to hand your car keys to somebody. Who do you trust with your car keys? Or who do you trust to give them your house key? Or your garage code? Who do you trust with things that matter most in your life? Who do you trust to tell your deepest, darkest secrets to? Who do you trust with your life? The reality this morning is just this, that trust influences our perspective. Do you trust what Jesus is saying here? Jesus tells us right here, you've seen the Father because you've seen me. Trust me. He goes on to tell his disciples, I need you to trust me. I need you to go and make disciples. In other words, I need you to surrender those other influences in your life because I'm telling you the truth. You trust in the Father, now trust also in me. You see, trust will influence our perspective. But we also have to ask this question. Is our perspective God's perspective? Is our perspective God's perspective? Verse 6 tells us, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let me just just tell you something very deep and theological here this morning about verse 6. This is not a suggestive exchange of words. Jesus is not giving a choice here. Amen? He is saying there is only one way. You have influences on your perspective. You have your own influences on how you interpret the Word of God. But Jesus is very clear here. He's saying there are no other influences that matter except what I'm telling you. That's good news, folks. There is no other way. You have to decide today, am I truly going to trust God and what He's saying? Am I truly going to believe there's no other way to the Father except through the Son? Let me be so bold as to kind of expand this a little bit. If we are asking God to send a revival, guess what? We don't get a say in how He does it. We don't get to formulate the plan and say, God, I need you to send a revival just like you did here and mark out A, B, C, D. Do it like this so that we know you've sent it. No. He says, you trust in the Father, trust in me now. If you're asking for revival, what's your perspective? Are you ready for it? Is your mind open to the fact that I may do something so drastic and so different in your midst that you're not even going to understand it? Well, hello, look at our church today. Tell me that's not drastic. Tell me that's not something we didn't expect. But I'm still convinced today that God has not surprised by 2020. He's not surprised by what's going on. And in fact, I believe he's trying to get our attention to say, you want revival, then open your eyes and quit letting the world influence you. Get in my word and start seeing what I'm going to say. There's no other way for this to turn out than for you to turn to me. God help us. God help us. But what is our perspective? Is our perspective God's perspective? Here's some some truth, lowercase t for you today to, to swallow. If our perspective doesn't match God's way, then we are wrong. Let me say that again. If our perspective doesn't match God's way, then we are wrong. Not Him. Jesus said no one comes to the Father. In other words, no one gets to heaven no one gets their sins forgiven. No one has the proper perspective. No one unless they come through Jesus. Is Jesus influencing our perspective? I've got some more questions for you today that I think are that I think are rhetorical, but I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud. I want you just to ponder these because I, I don't want to. They might be tricky, and I don't want to trick anybody today. But listen to these first three questions. Ponder these in your heart. See if you can get the right answer here. True or false questions. The first one is this. Christianity, based on our influences and what influences our perspective, Christianity is about trying hard to be a good person. True or false? Don't answer out loud. Please don't answer out loud. Maybe you jot it down to the side in your margin. Christianity is about trying harder to be a good person. Question number two, Christianity is about knowing all there is to know about Jesus and God. True or false? Number three, Christianity is about following all the rules correctly. The do's and the don'ts. True or false? Based on our influences, based on our perspective, many of us could probably answer those questions in different different sides of the argument. But here's some questions that we can't get away from. Christianity is about following Jesus in a personal way, true or false? That's true, folks. Christianity is about allowing God to influence our perspective, true or false? That's true, folks. Christianity is about surrender and commitment, true or false? That's true, folks. Christianity is about a love relationship with God. True or false? That's true. You see, living a life with God's perspective is the best way that we can choose to live. It will cause us to follow the greatest commandments, to to love God with all that we have, to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Allowing God to influence our perspective should change how we connect and engage with those people around us. Allowing God to influence our perspective, adjusting our perspective to His will, will open us up and cause us to become ready to receive a fresh revival from the Lord. Amen? So the question remains, is your perspective God's perspective? In order for that to happen, we must commit our lives. We must commit our ways. We must commit our thoughts, our agendas to His way. The Bible says that His way is higher than our way. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. But Jesus Himself goes on to say in our text today that if we trust in Him, if we put our hope in Him and we begin to adjust our perspective to His, we will do greater things than He did. How many of you could sit here today and say with no hesitation, you have done something greater than Jesus in your life? All of us are going to probably be a little scared to raise our hand. Jesus is the standard. But Jesus himself tells us, if we're trusting in him, if our perspective is the same as God's, we should be doing far greater things than he did. We should have a room full of people who did things greater than Jesus. But yet, here we are, scared to raise our hand. I honestly don't know how I can answer that question. That wasn't in my notes. That was free. Thank you, Lord. God, help me to adjust my perspective so that with You helping me, with You influencing me, I can do greater things than Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I am not saying that we are better than God. Don't take this out and twist my words and say that I'm better than Jesus. Don't, don't get that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, when God is for us, when He is on our side, when we're not just believing in Him, but we're trusting in Him, we're taking that step out of the boat, He is going to help us to do far greater things than Jesus ever did. 2020, Needs Jesus. But 2020 needs Jesus working through you and me. Amen? 2020 needs revival. 2020 needs God to fall fresh on this place like never before. But the way He does it is He's going to do it through you and through me. Amen? If we believe in the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we've got to believe in the same power that can infill us with God's Holy Spirit so much so that That revival sets sets a blaze on this place. Do you believe Him or do you trust Him? Do you believe in Him or do you trust in Him? Is your perspective God's perspective? The reality this morning is that we all have things in our life that impact what we believe and why. But I just want to ask you, why not trust God to help us gain His perspective on those things? Why not ask God to speak to us over these next few weeks leading up to these special services? Yes, I believe in revival. I believe in having these special services. I believe in bringing people who are God-ordained, who are called by God, to preach and teach His Word, to help God's people understand it in a way that will change our life forever. I believe wholeheartedly of the call of God on Susie Schellenberger. I believe wholeheartedly on the call of God on Lynette Cherry. God has ordained these people, these women of God, to come in here and to challenge us, to give us something from God that God has laid on their heart to lead us to a place to to line up our perspective with theirs. Will revival come October 2nd through 4th just because these ladies are coming? No. And in fact, we could spend a lot of money and we could bring them in here. And if you and I are not ready for revival, we're just going to have some fun singing and hearing some good good preaching. That's it. And if that's all we want in life, if that's all we want in our faith journey, then yeah, we're probably happy just to say, you know what? Yeah, I believe Jesus did that there. I'm good with that. And that's it. It's one thing to believe. But when we put our trust in Him, maybe God can use you to turn water into wine. Maybe God can use you. (laughs) Get this one. Maybe God can use you to cure COVID. Maybe God can use you to love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe God can use you to tell somebody how much God loves them. And I don't know the future. I don't know what God wants to do with my life. I don't know what He's going to continue to to use me to do for Him and for His glory. But maybe today if we really put our trust in Him, Maybe this is where it could get scary. Maybe God will use you to die for somebody. What is true love? True love is this would lay down his life for his brother. That's God's word, folks. Wow. God help us to allow you to shape our perspective. God help us to read Your Word and to, to dive into it so much that it becomes so alive in our life that it changes who we are. God wants you to trust Him. He wants you to trust Him because He wants to influence your perspective on life. God wants you to be part of something that's bigger than you, bigger than you've ever been a part of before. What if God began to write this, this story of the next great awakening and then included your name? What if it included Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene because they were so surrendered to God's will and God's perspective that the next great awakening happened for America right here in Pittsfield, Illinois? God wants to shape our worldview, He wants to show us how to view the world through His eyes, He wants to show us how to view His church. He wants to show us how to view our life. How we see our community. How we begin to see our church. How we begin to see how those two interact together. God wants to give us His perspective. Jesus said, you trust in God, now trust in me. made me ask the question, why does God want us to trust Him so much? Why does God want me to trust Him so much? Here's the conclusion I've come to. God wants us to trust Him so much because He wants to trust you. Wow. Can God trust you with His will and His way right now? Can God trust you to have His perspective on life, on the church, on revival? It'll only happen as we trust in Him. Amen? I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. Trust influences our perspective. Trust will shape who we are and what we do. Which direction that trust is flowing is determined by how well you and I respond. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, I pray in this moment as we as we begin this time of closing prayer, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to not get ahead of ourselves and think about what's next on the agenda today yet. But just for this moment, can we just can we just stay here in this moment for just a, for just a minute? Which direction is the trust moving? Are you at a place today? where Jesus is looking you square in the eye and say, yeah, you believed the stories. You believed in me just like my disciples did. Now I need you to trust me. Will you trust me with your life? Will you trust me with your agenda? Will you trust me with your wants and desires? God, today I pray for those of us that are in that, that realm of trust that maybe today, God, we've struggled this week to really trust You with our life. We've put one step in front of the other, but it's been in our own strength and power. And God, now You're asking us to trust You. God, would You help us today to surrender to You today? God, I pray for myself today. I repent of any times in my life this week where I've put one foot in front of the other in my own strength and power, and I've failed to view life from your perspective. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for any opportunity you've missed to use me because I wasn't adjusted to your will? Oh God, I pray that we can pray that prayer today that you will forgive us and that you will help shape us and mold us. God, there's another avenue of trust I believe you want us to see today it's one thing to surrender our will to your way God but God I pray a bold prayer today for myself and for our church today I pray God that you would you would create us you would mold us you would shape us to be a church that you can trust us God will you do anything that needs to happen to, to break off bad edges, to break off hard hearts, to break off any hidden sin or any, any hidden compartments that we may have. And God, would You make us so much like You that You can trust us to bring revival once again. God, I want You to trust me, to live my life in such a way that You can do far greater things through me because I'm fully surrendered to You. God, I want you to trust our people today that you can do far greater things that, that one day when somebody asks that question again, we can raise our hand because you've used us to set the captive free. You've used us to, to heal brokenhearted and you've used us to heal disease. You've used us to be an encourager. You've used us to bring life and love and hope to people that need to see you. God, would you use us? Would you trust us? to do far greater things. Through your power and through your strength, we pray. God, would you go go with us from this place this morning? And would you keep this on the forefront of our mind and allow you to influence our perspective? We love you. We give you praise and thanks for what you've done in the past. God, I give you praise and thanks for what you've done here today. And God, I praise your name for what you're going to do as we walk out of these doors today. We give our lives to you today. In Jesus' powerful and precious and holy name. And everyone said together, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.